0: It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition, the free edition. Glad no one's having to pay for this. Justin Ferguson here in Athens, Georgia, currently podcasting in the weight room slash office slash catch-all room of one Jordan Hill, friend of the program. By the way, as we lead off, shout out to Jordan, uh, getting engaged this weekend. Congratulations to him and his, his fiance, Shelby. Appreciate him uh, uh, letting me uh, crash in here so we can uh, give you the podcast here on this Sunday morning by the time you're listening to this. Uh, so, yeah, I'm here in Athens, painter, holding it down to parts unknown. Hello, painter.
1: Another day, another beautiful Saturday.
0: Well, uh, it, it was a beautiful day for football, at least where I was. Um, weather treating you right in parts unknown.
1: Oh, yeah, classic fall day. Mm.
0: you love to see it. What you might not love to see if you're listening to this podcast, though, is Auburn's football game, which we're here to talk about. <clears throat> Losing 42-10 to 10 to the Georgia Bulldogs. Once again, Auburn goes to Athens and uh, doesn't do much on offense, and uh, the dam breaks on defense, and it's a blowout loss. Um, this is a place, obviously, Auburn hasn't won in 17 years now. They have done very little on offense since then. In fact, when Auburn got, at that point, a garbage-time touchdown, Jarquez Hunter, great individual effort, very similar to the Penn State game in a lot of ways, um, breaking a tackle and uh, breaking free for a touchdown. This is the first second-half touchdown Auburn has scored since the infamous Soldier Boy blackout game uh, in 07. Uh, It was the first passing touchdown for an Auburn quarterback from Robbie Ashford to Hunter, although... Hunter did the vast majority of the work on that play. Um, but it's still a passing touchdown uh, from Robbie Ashford. It's the first passing touchdown Auburn quarterback has had since 2009 um, in Sanford Stadium, I should say, for both of those stats. And it was the first time Auburn had scored double-digit points in the second half of a game since the Arkansas game last year. That was fifty-one weeks ago. Almost two years. Next week it'll be a year since Auburn has played Arkansas and Fayetteville. Really the last time I think Auburn looked really strong against his quality opponent. Well, actually, I take that back. They they played Ole Miss after that. That was at Halloween, so I take that back. One of the last times Auburn played particularly well. But they lose 42 10 in Athens. And Painter. There were some differences. There were some changes. There were some stuff that we haven't seen this year from Auburn. There were some positives, a little few positives. But I think the thing that struck me while I was writing after the game, while I was sitting there, you know, before the press conference, and just kind of trying to soak it all in and trying to put it out out into, into words the best way I could, is this all feels so familiar: the venue, the opponent, the score line, and then that. I mean, that's been going on for almost two decades now. In the micro level, it felt like a whole lot of the same that we've seen from Brian Harson and this team, um, really since Bonex went down late last season, but really just, you can only, if you want to just focus on this season in general, a lot of it what we've seen, and against a Georgia team that didn't play their best football, but played better than they did the last couple of weeks, and looked like every bit of a title contender that they were last season... It was easy. It was easy, and it was all so familiar. And I think that's what is the thing that's really frustrating for Auburn fans. It's either frustrating or it's just kind of numbing to this point. And, and you, Painter, being the voice of the fan, the, the the person who still identifies himself as a fan of Auburn football, while I cover the team on, on, a, on, a, on a slightly more professional level, um, numb? Is is that probably better than frustration for you or is that what you're feeling more than frustration this this time around?
1: You brought up the similar feelings of past games. I didn't feel anything in this game. At no point going into this game, I don't know if it was last season that I decided we wouldn't we wouldn't win, but there were there was absolutely zero concern about this game. No feelings.
0: They crossed the 50 they <laughs> that got was that your, victory that <laughs> i guess they did it twice
1: yeah or did it uh did it two probably a couple times because they got a field goal in there too didn't they yeah and um yeah no feelings you know, th- it's just indifference uh there was never a moment where i was like this will be fun you know you want to wake up with that nervous energy when there's a rivalry game
0: i don't think it i mean I, if there were auburn fans that kind of felt that maybe they felt that a little bit early in this game and, you know I don't want to put I don't want to make everybody a monolith I don't want to paint it with a broad brush but I think a lot of people are listening. I mean Auburn was what 28 29 30 point underdog depending on what you were looking at Georgia covers in this one it just you know outside of the defense playing well in the first half it just never really felt like there was a lot of reason to believe in what Auburn was doing and then the point in the game where it got to where it's like okay you had your chance, and yeah, you got points, but what? it went. Colby Wood makes a great play to strip Stetson Bennett early in the third quarter. Auburn gets the ball at the Georgia 19, and they kick a field goal. They kick a field goal. You score a touchdown, it's a one-possession game. You kick a field goal, it's still a two-possession game. Points are points. You get points, right? You know, you score in the middle eight, but... That, to me, felt like, oh, that's the opportunity that goes by the wayside. And it felt like that stop for Georgia got them some some of the momentum back, got some belief back in them that they were going to take care of business, and they walked down the field on the next drive. And there were some penalties, and I know Auburn fans were uh, upset that uh, holding calls and the lack, lack thereof, but... Then Georgia goes up 21-3, bang, right after that, and it was just, it was coasted after it. Brian Harson after the game, said something in his opening statement I want to go back to. He said, really good football team that we just played, Georgia, all the way around. We did that going into the game, and they're physical as well. I think that was a big part of the game, just the physicality of it. That showed up really in the second half. I thought our guys in the first half, defensively in particular, did some good things, But the second half, just the physicality of Georgia that showed up. I wrote about it in the observations on Saturday night. You can read them if you're a subscriber. Uh, But Auburn got beaten at the line of scrimmage in this game to a degree where, I mean, it it was really, really rough for them in the second half. The offensive line, free rushers. Lack of a running game, some of the same stuff we've been seeing from this group. You're not playing at home anymore, or at least you're not for the next two weeks. You're playing one of the most talented teams in America, you're playing a deep team, a very physical team. They didn't have Jalen Carter. They had a lot of other really good dudes out there. They have great pass defense. We'll talk about that later. But Georgia. What makes Part of what makes Georgia so good is they are very deep and very physical at the line of scrimmage. Much like Alabama, much like the great SEC teams of the past, and there are some Auburn teams that you can lump in there of the last couple of decades. When you've been really successful, if you're a really good team in the SEC, if you're a championship caliber team, more often than not, you got to be good and deep at the line of scrimmage. And Auburn's offensive line is their biggest weakness. And it showed up in this game. Big time. Because this is a much better team than you're playing you playing on the road. Penalties were huge in this game. Ten penalties. Most penalties Auburn has had in a game all season. Most penalties they've had in an SEC game since the 2019 loss to LSU where they had a chance to beat the national champion on the road and they didn't. This one they're not even close. On top of that, there were seven penalties that the offense had in this game. On five of them, Auburn punted. A few plays later. Put them behind the chains. They only overcame two of them. They had two second and ones that turned into second and sixes and one one turned into second, second and eleven Another one turned into second and six. You punt two plays later. Auburn came into the game. Our buddy Max Olson sent me this stat earlier in the week. Auburn came into the game this week of college football. The second worst team in America and average distance to go on third down. Only UAB is worse. so worst worse power five team. They about hit their average in this game against Georgia. Now, they had some third and longs that they converted, but only a couple. They missed on some third and shorts, too. This offense is way too inconsistent, and especially if you're going to give away yards, and it's the line of scrimmage. It's false starts. Not all of them were on the offensive line, but a large chunk of Auburn's penalties were on the offensive line through Holding. And false starts. Bad communication. Just guys running free. Holding calls. There was a holding call that didn't matter (laughs) because, you know, Robbie Ashford Ashford went 13-38 in this game. So a little more than a third of his passes were completed. I don't know how many he threw away, but it was a lot. I don't know how many they were pressured, but it was a lot. And Georgia pinned their ears back and just got after him. And so, at the offensive line, we knew this was going to be an issue for Auburn. And they are giving away yardage, and they're getting further and further behind the chains. And I guess a team like Georgia, who even without Jalen Carter, they're really, really good. You know, for all that Brandon Council said earlier in the week, one thing held true get them in the third down packages, they can be nasty. Well, they did and they teed off on Auburn, pinned their ears back, and just went after him. But your biggest weakness got exposed even more against a really good team, and on top of that, you had injuries. Austin Troxel goes down with an injury. You have to put Brennan Coffey into the game. Alec Jackson goes down with an injury. Jaleel Irvin comes into the game. And, it, I mean, it just didn't matter what combo they had out there. It just got worse and worse as the game went on. You just got worn down and beaten at the line of scrimmage. Some of it's injury, some of it's bad luck, it's football, it happens. Some of it's also just, Georgia's just a bigger and better team than you in the trenches. And the gap between Auburn and Georgia that has developed and has only gotten bigger and bigger over the last decade, this is it. Bang, right there. And on the defensive side, you make good plays early, you keep yourselves in the game, you give the team a chance to cut the lead in half in the third quarter, What happens? Derek Hall gets banged up. Marcus Bragg gets banged up. You end the game playing guys who haven't had a lot of reps at those positions. And what did Georgia do? Ran the ball all over you at the line of scrimmage. They're deeper, they're better up front, and they made it pay off. It's the most yards per carry a team has had against Auburn since the Leonard Fournette game in 2015. And Auburn played a great first half of defense, I thought. Two touchdowns on on a short field. But I've been, this is a lot of rambling, Banner, but it's just, you knew Auburn's offensive line was going to be an issue, and you knew Auburn's defensive line was going to be their only hope of hanging in the game. And the war of attrition just ate them up. And in the second half, Georgia just leaned on, knowing that at the point of attack, they were just better. And whatever Auburn has to do moving forward, and I'm talking big picture as a football program, they're well behind George, uh, the Georgias and Alabamas and others of the world at the line of scrimmage. I think Penn State even showed you some of that. And then on the defensive side, you're thin, and a number of those guys that are making plays for you early on probably aren't going to be here much longer because they have NFL futures ahead of them. This is where the issue lies, and it ain't going to get better unless Auburn starts winning recruiting battles in the trenches. They've done the, so on the defensive line, not not as much as we know on the offensive line, and really good teams are going to expose you over and over again.
1: People will understandably look back at Brandon Council's comments from the week, and you are right. Some of what he said actually was correct. Uh, even if it was also like, hmm, okay, sure. What I find more interesting is like the comments that you can dig up from some of the offensive linemen in preseason camp and fall camp because on the one hand, what are they supposed to say? They're not going to get out there and say, yeah, we're going to be bad again. On the other hand, I was surprised at how boisterous and confident they seemed entering the season because this is – more or less what I expected. I mean, I did give myself that twinge of offseason hope where you go, well, maybe things do improve, and you could point to something like a year or two and go, oh, well, uh, maybe there's a step forward. Well, none of that has happened. And to your point, oh, yeah, the roster. Oh, my God, the roster next year. Whew, I mean, there's something to be said for what you can do in the portal, but we spent a lot of time this off-season talking about if any position – is one in which you're not going to be able to just overhaul it, you know, in, in an off season. It's that one.
0: Right, you can get one, maybe two. And look, Auburn would be much better off if Auburn would have actually gotten a win in the transfer portal on the offensive line. We all know that. This is a problem that Brian Harson and his staff inherited. It hadn't gotten any better. I mean, to the point, like, they started, if I remember correctly, they started five seniors on this offensive line on Saturday. So it's not experience for the most part. I know some guys in there haven't always been starters. But your best effort is giving up free rushers and not being able to get anything going in the running game. Here, Here's here crazy stat. Two crazy stats here. Tank Bixby had 10 carries for 19 yards. That's the fewest rushing yards Tank Bigsby's had in a game since his season, de- his college debut against Kentucky when only had like four carries, one point nine yards per carry. That's the first time he's been held to less than two yards a carry ever in a game. Non-factor, a non-factor in this game. EPA, once again, negative for a guy like him. Just not making an impact on this game whatsoever. And what's about to happen, and everybody can kind of see it at this point, but what's about to happen is Tank Bigsby, I believe, is one of the most talented running backs to ever come through Auburn. I believe that. I think what this dude does, especially in space and after contact, is special. And he's about to have played three years at Auburn where he did not have consistent run blocking ahead of him, and it got worse and worse year, year in and year out. That his freshman year, his SEC freshman of the year campaign will be the be- during a pandemic, will be the best year he played at Auburn. Because unless something drastic happens, something changes, this dude's probably going to be in the NFL next year. And, like, I know his numbers aren't good this year, but you know what NFL teams are watching on film? Man, look at what this dude's doing when he's getting hit in the backfield or behind the line of scrimmage on almost every play.
1: He'll go somewhere. I feel for. He'll find it. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, who doesn't? Um, there's a part of me that goes, "Hey, man, might be good for you to just get on out of here." But he's a better man than I apparently. Uh, he's because because I mean, goodness knows, like I, I'd have a hard time sticking around. You're getting beat yeah. up like that. I, mean, I got millions of dollars on the line
0: here. To that point, not the same situation, but last week, Landon King. It's going to red shirt. It's going to be out for the for the rest of the season. It's going to take that red shirt. He told, uh, I believe, uh, I believe Nathan King at, at two four seven had this <clears throat> quote. And you know, if somebody else had that earlier, I know it was reported. I think Rivals and On Three had it as well. Had the story earlier this week. So I apologize if I if I didn't um, if I'm not giving like credit to the right people up front, but. I did read Nathan's story. That was the one I saw. I, I missed the first two um, on Thursday while I was, uh, or earlier in the week. While I was, I guess it was maybe Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Anyway, it's a roundabout way of saying I saw it from Nathan that he's not planning to transfer. He wants to be at Auburn. Wants to stay at Auburn. But it's like he's less than hundred percent, and this season's careening towards a lost one chick Dawson didn't make the travel didn't make the trip to 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 Athens and he's second slash third string at slot receiver right now Could to be a situation where he takes a red shirt and what happens next there it's 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 tough man like it's tough there there's every week there's more and more reason for people to hang it up Right, not everybody's going to do that, but it's like, like you were saying, Painter, a lot of people in their situations wouldn't be going out there and slamming their heads against the wall over and over again. Yeah, I mean, we talked started, about. Uh, still there.
1: We we talked about the 2012 season, how different it. I think the effort has felt to this point. I don't remember exactly what the cutoff was. I certainly remember by like the A and M game that year, there was just yeah no fight left. Um, and that may be coming to this point though i i mean you were there but it didn't seem like it to me watching today no. that that's happened
0: no i think when georgia pulled away in the in the fourth quarter and were, was running it up on auburn i think it was i think it was a combination of not executing on defense but also just being slat worn out and georgia had the ball for yeah. 20 minutes in the second half
1: yeah and on some level like on an individual level i'm not saying the defense has quit for the season but like if you know your offense is not going to give you any help and it's kind of exhausting.
0: It's just like, okay, what are we doing here? It's like Derek Hall said after the game. It's like, wait, we, we don't care where we are on the field. Every blade of grass, all all four quarters, like we're trying to defend it. And it's, but like in the first half, all right, let's go to this first half of this game, scoreless. Auburn runs a fake punt. Here's 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 the thing about the fake punt. They want they got the look that they wanted, and if you go back and watch the film, if everybody executes the play, it works. Probably works. Probably goes for first down. Probably keeps the drive alive. Now, what do they do after that? I don't know. Cause the offense wasn't getting much of anything going. But it gets stopped. Miss blocked. Gets stopped. It's a lot to bank. I mean, you're fourth and six in your own territory. I mean, you're banking l you're asking a lot from a group. And I know it's special teams and not often. but this Auburn offense is not consistently blocked pretty much all season long especially against really good opponents like Georgia and so the execution's not there so that's a huge gamble it's aggressive but it's a huge gamble and at a point in time when to that to that point in the game your defense had been playing lights out your punt coverage had been good instead Georgia takes over on short field and scores now the next time on the next drive when Auburn punts missed tackles Lad McConkey gets into Gets well into Auburn territory. They score again. Short fields. It's frustrating. Auburn had three forced three three three-and-outs in the first half. Five punts from Georgia. Stetson Bennett's numbers in the first half were dreadful. But I think Georgia went back to the running game a lot more in the second half. They wore down that defensive front. That opened up more space for Stetson Bennett to start throwing the ball downfield. Turned out to have a pretty fine game. Obviously, the run... Yeah, that Duke can run. That Duke can run. He ain't Bryce Young. He ain't Johnny Manziel. Duke can run. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I don't know what more you have to say. He ran all over Auburn last year. I think he had like 500 rushing yards in the senior year of high school. Duke can run. Wonder what the combined
1: the combined scores in the last three years are with Stetson Bennett beating Auburn. You might be able to do the math quickly, but either way. It's Probably not a figure or a total that I'm excited to hear.
0: 27 to 6, 34 to 10, 61 to 16, and then today was 103 to 26. I think that's right. <laughs> Rough. <laughs> Rough. Oh, well. But, I mean, the defense played well enough in the first half. I thought they played winning football in the first half, and I think a combination of injuries and fatigue. And look, there was bad plays. I mean, there were bad run fits. or were bad angles. I can't—I don't have all the answers for defense. But also, like, Georgia's really stinking good, man. Auburn's good enough on defense. Like, their effort on defense against LSU and Missouri was enough to win both of those games. Not the Penn State game. LSU and Missouri was enough to win both of those games. That's great. But LSU and Missouri aren't Georgia. LSU got torched at home by Tennessee. I mean, Missouri gave a really good game to Georgia last week, and yeah, they lost by a touchdown to Florida. Like the, LSU ain't LSU ain't Georgia, Missouri ain't Georgia either. It's a really good football team that is going to contend for a national title again. So I mean, like you have to play better, especially away from home, especially against an opponent like this. But the the depth is just it's it's come back and got them. I mean, we said it coming into the season, Pater. If Auburn had an injury at edge rusher, they were cooked for the most part. Now, Marcus Bragg's played some really good football as a transfer portal pickup, as a reserve guy. And, um, you know, he got banged up in this game, but uh, I think he has played well. But, like, you're having to get Colby Wooden on the outside, which put this the Brian Harson defense, his staff was Derek Mason as the defensive coordinator. Or now Jeff Schmetting. Doesn't matter who the defensive line coach apparently is. Anything, like, they, they, this crew just doesn't rotate very much. And it came back and got him in this game. Meanwhile, Georgia's got a true freshman running back out there putting up nearly 100 yards. And they're rotating a ton of guys in on defense. And it's just... It's very obvious that there's just a gap. There's just a huge gap. I mean, a Robbie Ashford... There's only so much a dude can do, and he had his he had his share of mistakes. He fumbled the ball. He just dropped it, almost threw an interception, missed some missed some make missed some makeable throws. He's running for his life a lot. He's having to throw the ball away a lot too. Um, Looks familiar. Yeah, it does. Scrambling, picking up first downs that way. That was good. But it's like. This is still, I mean, in the short stuff, he's just not very efficient. And so you're just going to have to live with it at this point, right? Like,
1: You are what you are a, on the offensive line. Right, and, and he's the know, best quarterback are, to handle it. Yeah, and you are what you are with Robbie Ashford's skill set as a passer.
0: On top of that, though, it's like, like Georgia ain't <laughs> LSU. I mean, LSU gave up a lot through the air against Tennessee in terms of yards per play. I know Tennessee ran the ball a ton, too. Florida State threw the ball a ton against LSU, and and was successful. Look, this ain't LSU. This ain't normal LSU on defense anymore. So, like when Robbie Ashford in a fifty percent completion percentage, but throws a deep down field, it's different because at every level, Georgia's just better, and they took advantage of it. And so, against a better defense, a much better defense, this passing game struggled. I mean, 34% completion percentage. That is the worst that Auburn has had in a game since the 2012 Iron Bowl. Once again, another 2012 stat you pull up here. They're piling up at this point. And it's like Jarquez Hunter made a great play. That dude don't give up, man. And I don't think there's, again, I don't think there's dudes on this team that are giving up. That dude especially, though. Making something out of nothing again, like the Penn State game. But it's in blowout situations at this point. Auburn had three passes, three completions to their uh, to their wide receivers, and of those three receivers, they were targeted ten times. Just those guys. So they tried to get the ball to them, but it just ain't them. And those are rudimentary, like pretty quick target stats. It's like the third, the, the second half. Auburn gets worked in the second half, uh, score 28-10, to 10, ask questions about the second half. And once again, Brian Harson's asked about it, and he says point blank. I don't know. Oh, here's the first time. I don't know. We have to work on that. That remains to be seen. I wish I could sit up here and tell you till we actually go out there and prove it. It's just a matter of us going back and looking at those things which we have. It's a continuation of us needing to get better at it. I need to look at everything that we're doing, everything we're doing on a Sunday and a Monday and a Tuesday, just our preparation, every single thing we do. Talks about, you know, fixing the process. Later on, he's asked a pretty similar question. And he says, I wish I had an answer for that about the the second half. All right. I really do. If I did, we would fix those things. I think part of the struggles you're playing good teams. Part of the struggles are some self-inflicted things that we've done to our success ourselves. And the key to having a successful game is being consistent throughout the game, and whether at the end of it, whether the score is in your favor or not, you want to have some type of consistency. And I think that's the biggest challenge for us right now. Later on, he says we have to do a better job coaching and put them in a better position to be successful. He said it starts with me. I mean, he took he took credit or blame, or whatever whatever the right, right word is there. But it's like, at this point, what is all we're going to do to fix it? I mean, I could sit here and say, maybe you run Robbie Astrid more on design stuff, maybe you get some of that quick stuff going, some side-to-side things, stuff like that. I can say that. But then I also look and see, well, that hasn't been super effective either. I could say, hey, they need to target... Javarius Johnson more, but I mean, like saying it and doing it are two totally different things. And that's the thing. It's like Harson saying after game, "I wish I'd an answer. I wish we could answer that. I wish we." He gets paid five billion dollars plus to have those answers, and he just doesn't have them. And I'm like I don't know if they're gonna get it. And that's the that's the thing about it moving forward. You're halfway through this season. Auburn's three and three. Brian Harson is nine and ten at Auburn now. He's the first coach since Doug Barfield, to get at any point in his second season at Auburn have a losing record. And so it's like, I don't know what's next. I don't. You're probably listening to this. This, this is going to come out at six o'clock central on on Sunday morning. I don't know what Brian Harson's future looks like. I don't know if he's still Auburn's coach when they play Ole Miss next week. I don't know if he's Auburn's coach when they come off the bye week after that. I don't know if he's Auburn's coach at the end of the season. I don't. I personally don't. But it's looking less and less likely by the week. Because the the competition's only getting tougher. Well, they're they're not going to be like George until you play Alabama, right? And even then, Alabama's got... Got their issues at the moment. But it's like, uh, you don't know where this thing's going to get better for Auburn this season, and then you don't know how it's going to get better moving forward. This is what the, the recruiting class right now is, what, second worst in the SEC? You're falling behind in talent at a time when a lot of your – when your two biggest rivals are moving forward, and they're pushing even further past the pack. And then you have the AMs and the LSUs and others trying to push ahead, push ahead, push ahead. There's got to be a proof of concept. And he's a year and a half into it. It's just, wh- where's the proof of concept at this point?
1: Failing publicly, no fun. Uh, this does feel like it has reached a point in which the pressure is off. And I say that to say that I think at one point you could make the argument that he and the staff were coaching for their jobs. That feels inevitable now. Like you have reached a threshold in which the pressure's off because we know how this ends.
0: I wonder what the fan base is going to do moving forward. They have Ole Miss next week on the road. Ole Miss was behind early to Vanderbilt. They figured it out in the second half, and they remained undefeated. That's a top-ten team you're going to play on the road on Saturday. And you have a week off. Play Arkansas on October 29th at home. Mississippi State's looking pretty good. You got to go on the road there. Then it's A&M, Western Kentucky, and Alabama to wrap it up. I, I just wonder how much that's going to hold up. I wonder how I wonder what what this looks like because it's you, you get getting brained by Georgia in Athens is not new, right? Harson has now had the experience. Gus had it several times. Gene Chesek had it. You know the end of the Tupperville era experienced it, but. For Auburn, it's like where, where where do you go where do you go from here? Well, how does the fan base respond? And I I mean Auburn's gonna the people in charge at Auburn and you have a you have interim A D. There's a lot of money involved if you do make a decision in season. But then you watch what happened today. I don't know if you saw the stat painter. or saw it's actually for some reason it's a stat like yeah, like like Ryan Nanny, celebrity hot tub, key statistician on Twitter, you know, always good to him for all the all the all the analytics. He pointed out though, every team that had an FPS, every power five team, I think at least, that has an interim head coach won on Saturday. Wisconsin got it done. Georgia Tech was now one two straight. Arizona State beat Washington. Who else? I'm missing another one. Nebraska won. On Friday night. And so it's like, I mean, that's going to hang in people's heads. It's just natural, right? And I don't know. And I don't know. Again, like uh, a coaching change now or at the end of the season or at another point in the middle. Like, I don't know how much is going to change anything for Auburn. I really don't. I think the offensive line is what it is. I think your defense is continuing to just get banged up and attrition and fatigue and the lack of depth is going to set in and be even more of a factor. I don't know how much is going to change, but it's like, this is, you know, I, I don't know how, I don't know how Auburn fans would have reacted if they had had a competitive loss today to Georgia. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the reaction would have been, but, Some of the same, both in the context of Auburn at Georgia and some of the same in the context of this is what Brian Harsin and Auburn are in 2022. Goes back to what you were saying. It's like, is there pressure at this point? Does everybody know how this is going to end?
1: His tone seemed different. You can probably correct me if I'm off base here, but I I felt like there's been more defiance in post-game comments from him and and then the lead up and and his press conferences during the week it's the first time i can remember him just saying i don't know
0: yeah like just and i think he's had some times where it's just like yeah we're, we're trying or if i knew the answer we try to figure it out but he said it twice on, on, on saturday and you can continue to say like hey we're gonna reevaluate everything and we're gonna try to fix it the best as best as we can but at the end of the day, like how much is going to change? How much is going to fix? This is a team that your offensive line is just not going to not going to win up front consistently enough against against quality competition. And it wasn't even doing it consistently enough when you played Mercer and San Jose State. Now San Jose State looks a lot better than than uh, than I thought they were going to be. They're they're running things right now in the Mountain West, but that's not really a caveat you want to make. Exactly. Uh, it's and again, like I said, I just think. Your defense is already getting banged up to an extent. You're 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 thinning at positions where you don't have a ton of depth. in at this point, and then it's just, it's not super consistent. You're still giving up a you know, runs second and third level. Things aren't necessarily going as well. I, I didn't think the past defense was terrible in this game. I thought they got off to a really good start, but it just kind of wears you down in the second half. You're on the field so much, and it just gets all it just gets all lopsided on you. So uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like purgatory, I guess, for Auburn, because if there is a decision made, I'm sure that's good. There's going to be like, sure, fans are going to react and some fans are going to have relief or whatever, but like for the team itself, I don't know. I don't, I don't think anything necessarily gets better. So that's, that's the tough spot to be. I'm not, then again, I'm not saying if it should happen or not, that's not my place, I'm just looking at it right now. It's just like, how much changes? Does anything change? And I mean, it
1: does. It does unify the fan base, and there's a collective sigh when you make the move.
0: Right, but like the team actually has to keep playing. And again, yeah. like, the other and thing, it's thing is, for it's hard for like, the
1: players because it's like it's a lot of those guys were like, "Hey, I'm going to come back. I'm gonna play for to this play guy. for the staff."
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's like, a good chunk of this staff, both your coordinators, are Harson guys, right? Their loyalty to Auburn, or their connection to Auburn, is this job that they are in right now. That doesn't go for everybody on the staff, but it goes for a lot of them. This is a game where Georgia, slow start for them. I don't really know what they're doing throwing the ball as early as they are, not running it. They just figured out, hey, we just need to run in and attack them in the second half, and it worked and warmed down. I think Kirby Smart even said it. So yeah, we know they weren't very deep up front. True. I don't even know where I was going with this. Uh, I it, it's it's just yeah, it's, it's just a very the,
1: funny admission by him because I feel like coaches are not usually that blunt. <laughs> when, you know, he I mean.
0: is though, man. Kirby Kirby's pretty blunt about and it like. He said it after the Oregon game where he was like, Yeah, we just know they're not, they're, they don't have our talent like on defense. It's like, yeah, quite yeah. refreshing
1: then if he does that more than I realize. Because yeah. if you're going to be rich, if you're going to be college football rich, you know, I'd like for you to admit it occasionally. You know, it's sort of annoying when it's like, Oh, you know, we just went out there, we did all the little things right. It's like, Well, that may be true, but also all your dudes are
0: really good. Yeah, all your dudes are really good. And, yeah, whatever's next for Auburn in terms of coaching. Whatever, whenever that looks like. I mean, this game just lays it bare. It's just... You gotta have the dudes. And right now, Auburn is not trending in a direction where they're getting the dudes that they need. It's just not. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. And not all of them are in Brian Harson and, his, and his staff's control. But it's the reality of the situation that you're in. And... Like, I you can't expect Auburn to recruit like Georgia to recruit like Alabama to have a class like Texas Am not often but you got to be a whole lot closer to well, what, than what is right going now. on
1: here though I mean my God uh, we have money and the previous coach for all of his faults showed that recruiting at a top 10 top 12 level is not only achievable, but I think given what Auburn can offer as a program uh, should I be think the Auburn, expectation. I think,
0: uh, I think Auburn, I think moving forward for Auburn in the future, for Auburn to be in the best spot, it needs to be a top-ten recruiter. And I think it absolutely can be. Because a top-ten recruiter in the SEC is like the bare minimum. Like, you have to do that to survive. You have to do that to have a level of competitiveness. Because a top-ten recruiter in the ACC, a top-ten recruiter in the Big Ten, a top-ten recruiter in the Pac-12 and the Big 12, you're like one of the two – Maybe three best teams in the league, the SEC. You're like that's just getting you in the top half. That's just cementing yourself in a position to be in the in the top half. And the more Georgia and Alabama push ahead, the more you have teams like Texas A&M having these like crazy good classes. LSU and Florida are going to figure their junk out and LSU always does for some reason, but like Florida's going to get it figured out. I think under <laughs> under mm-hmm. Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. They're putting in too much effort and got too much money involved not for it to, for it to be. And so it's like you Auburn's got to do that. And a game like this just shows it. That like at yes, at a level if you're Auburn, you have to out-execute, you have to have out to outwork them, out-hustle out-schema. There's a part of that, there's some underdog tactics and there's some overcoming some talent gap stuff that's always going to be innate with being an Auburn. But you're also going to have to recruit at a whole lot better level. Yeah,
1: to your point, also, like about just contending, I mean, think about how much farther ahead teams like Alabama, Georgia, and I guess for the sake of it, like Ohio State are in the blue chip ratio than everyone else in the top 10 in recruiting. So, I mean, you are right. Like, it is they're just a get, baseline. They're only getting more. Yeah, just a baseline level of I, talent you I'll need put it this to, way. to envision yourself going to Atlanta.
0: Yeah, I'll put it this way. The two cycles, the last two cycles, so since Brian Harson, uh, the the end of the, the Miles on era, the beginning of the Harson era, those two cycles and then the one you're currently in right now, they're only getting better. They're progressing. They're getting they're pulling away from the pack, whereas Auburn is falling behind. And again, like I said, the, the situation is not all of his own making. And it looks like there's some of the stuff with this roster that's not of his own making, but all of his quarterbacks are his. The scheme is his. He's in the second year. You know, like, there's there's a lot of that stuff, and it's just you're putting up numbers and you're putting up stats right now and figures that you have to go back to some of the worst seasons in modern Auburn football history to find the comparisons to. And that's just not a good sign for anybody involved. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with Georgia? We'll, we'll do some basketball at the end, but you got anything else? I mean, it's, it's just... hard it, to
1: turn anything new over.
0: right. Not the most. It's not the most enlightened podcast you're going to hear in the world.
1: I mean, if you're listening to this now, like you're well aware of the symptoms, and just like us, you're like, "Well, you could try this medicine, but
0: yeah, yeah." So we'll see what it looks like moving forward. Um, and that is for next week. Next month, next year. This is just—it's more of the same, and I guess that's what's frustrating. Because you're in year two, you should be showing some progress. You should be showing some things moving forward. And it's just—it's just not happening. It is not happening. All right, um, we'll we'll wrap up with some basketball. But before we do that, appreciate everybody listening to the Observer podcast. Uh, if you like this podcast and you want more of it, uh, you can get it with a subscription to the Auburn observer, just some housekeeping right off the bat. I am riding back to Auburn from Athens during the day on Sunday. So probably not going to have enough time to do a full fledged film room for Monday, uh, which some of you know that sometimes on road games, it's a little harder for me to do that. So I appreciate your understanding with that. Uh, but you will have some sort of monday newsletter um for sure
1: it's also my belief that there will be a friends of the program episode tuesday
0: morning gotcha all right so you'll have that to look forward to as well and you only get that with an orbiter observer subscription sorry six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year gets you access to everything we've got going on that's all of our newsletters like the observations like the uh in week stuff um And anything we do, Auburn football, Auburn basketball related, gets sent to your email inbox. It's the easiest way to consume the content, which is a phrase I hate saying, but it's the best way to describe it. Um, You can read and listen on your own time. And uh, yeah, like I said, you get at least twice as much of the podcast. Some weeks, even triple the amount. Like Painter said, Friends of the Program will be out on Tuesday this week. All the newsletters, all the podcasts, $6 a month or $60 a year. Just go to auburnobserver.com. Click around. it be an easy way to sign up. And uh, once you're in, you are in. And uh, everything we do gets sent straight to your email inbox, like I said. Also, if you'd like to help us out with absolutely no money down, if you're a subscriber or a non-subscriber, if you're just listening to the free ones, we appreciate you guys as well. But you can help us out in another way. Painter, tell them what it is.
1: Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, go to your podcast app. Probably you're using Apple Podcasts. Uh, maybe you're using spotify for the free episodes leave us five stars rate review subscribe takes like 20 seconds come on come on
0: it helps us out a ton it gets more people's eyeballs on the product ear holes on the product i guess you could also say we've got one more review to read this is from last week ccs4u says Yes, there was improvement. I'm from the camp that believes we need to ride with Harson to the end of the season, and interim is not going to fix this nor recruit well. Thanks for your rational take. That was from last week. I guess we just did some more of that here just in the middle of it. We appreciate CCS4AU for your review. It's very kind of you. Yeah, give us five stars. Say something nice about us, and we'll read it on the air. One to shout you guys out, uh, but more importantly to uh, soothe our own egos because uh, we are very vain people. Also, folks, you're starting to get them. They're out in the universe. People are posting, Peter. People are giving reviews. We had we had Jordan Hill on, gave us a live review of them on the preview podcast this week with our buddy Ben Walk as well. Auburn Observer shirts from Home Field Apparel. If you like our logo, if you like what we're doing and you want to put it on your body... The most comfortable t-shirt the money can buy. We're talking a Navy Heather Homefield shirt. Most comfortable t-shirt in the world, folks. With the Auburn Observer logo. Tastefully, tastefully done. A little small, not too big. Not too flashy. That's not what we're about. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Search Auburn Observer. Find the Auburn Observer t-shirt and order one. It's a great gift. For people that you think may enjoy us, or you know already enjoy us. It would be funny if you bought the Auburn Observer t-shirt for somebody who didn't read us or listen to us. Um, If you do that... I kind of like the
1: idea of that, them just having the shirt, not really knowing what's going on.
0: Well, Homefield Apparel is the number one place to get collegiate apparel. We're so happy that Connor and the gang has partnered with us to make our t-shirts. A lot of you are getting them out there now. Mine's coming in soon. Painters, painter in the gang—they're coming in soon as well. But you can also get a lot of cool Auburn stuff. If you want to go ahead and get ready for Auburn basketball season? There's several really cool Auburn basketball designs. Some really great Auburn football designs. Some vintage ones. Some throwbacks. There's some Auburn baseball stuff in there. It's also about to be hoodie season. Get a really good hoodie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shout out the, uh, i gonna shout out the. We we do the side eye hobby right, Crewnecks as well. Well, shout out one that I have i don't think I've—I've—I've I've, I've given enough love to, and that is—that's uh, the Auburn Auburn Hoops Peacock, the No Fear Peacock, gray hoodie. Shout out to Ryan and, and our friends at College and Mag. It lives forever in a gray hoodie. Those gray hoodies are super comfortable. I wear my Hawaii one all the time. Also, if you have any schools that you like that you have an affiliation with, or if you just think their stuff cool. Much like me this week, I bought a Wyoming golf shirt from Homefield this week because it looked cool. And I love the state of Wyoming. I only been there once, but I had a great time. Um HomefieldApparel.com. So buy your observer shirt, buy some Auburn gear, buy some other other fans or other teams gear. Gear up for the cooler weather, get you some cool t shirts, whatever you need to do. HomefieldApparel.com. Promo code is Observer. If you've never ordered for Homefield before, you get 15% off. Observer is the code thank you once again to our friends at Homefield apparel for continuing to support our show and also making those sweet t-shirts that some of you have gotten your hands on all right painter we uh let's see got a few more minutes left want to talk some auburn hoops with you some news we need to get off from the beginning chance westry is going to be out for the next three to four weeks for auburn uh, after having arthroscopic knee shir- surgery, it was fall break for uh, the kids, the students uh, on Thursday and Friday this this past week. Hope uh, any of our college age listeners enjoyed it, and some of you who are faculty, I know you listen. Hope you enjoyed the break. Uh, Auburn did it. <laughs> uh, Chance Wester did it, getting his knee scoped. Bruce Pearl did as well. So you have a coach that's willing to get knee surgery with you. That's that's pretty. That's pretty helpful. But uh, yeah,
1: I was really hopeful that I, I spoke to my friend Alston about this, and we came to the conclusion that it would be great if Chance was just nervous about the surgery. Bruce didn't need it, and he was like, "You know what? I ride for my players, so I will also be having
0: surgery. I don't want. I don't want to speak out of school. You know, I don't want to speak out of turn here. Bruce needed the surgery. I, you know, I, I sure HIPAA, I, et cetera. I, I t- yeah, well I had seen him I'd seen him moving around recently and it was like <laughs> you could tell that he was he was moving a little slower and you wanna be at your best. you want to be at your best shape for, for basketball season. He's gonna be out three or four weeks. Uh James Andrews, the god of orthopedic surgery, uh and like I think that's one of Auburn's biggest weapons. You know, like when people are like, Who would actually want to come to Auburn? There's too much trouble. He's like, Well, Doctor James Andrews is just on call for you. That that'll help. Um But yeah, both of them have surgery on their right knee. Three to four weeks would have Chance Westry coming back either the week before Auburn's exhibition against UAH or the week of that exhibition against UAH. Interesting spot here for Chance Westry. Probably playing some three and some two, mostly three at the moment. Also can play some point guard. But he's going to be out right now. Be interesting to see when he comes back, how long he takes to get back to full speed, especially for a freshman, how Auburn adjusts there. I think the start of Auburn's season, just the easier schedule they have the first couple of weeks will help them kind of ease into things. So I wouldn't panic. I wouldn't worry about it too much. It will be interesting, though, to see how Westry gets back into the game. No Alan Flanagan still at the moment. have no updates there. Uh, Some of you asked in the mailbag this week. No updates there on Alan Flanagan uh, that I am aware of. Um, I have been to some some of the practices. Uh, But... It'll be interesting to see how Auburn handles their wing. Uh, Chris Moore is probably going to get a lot more reps now. Chris Moore had a great summer, uh, according to Bruce Pearl. Played really well, especially in that final game in Israel against the senior national team. Um, We'll see some of that, I think. I do wonder, though, if Westry's not at 100% at the beginning of the year, I wonder how much you see maybe some of that three-guard lineup we saw late last season you know, with, uh, with Wendell Green Jr. and Zeb Jasper and Katie Johnson playing all at the same time. I also wonder, just throwing it out here, maybe one of your fours, or maybe both your fours, whether it is a a Yohan Treor or a Jalen Williams, could they be flexible enough to kick out to the three and make something happen? They're in a big lineup if you want to play the matchup situation. So it would be interesting to see what Auburn does moving forward. I would expect this is going to be a big moment for Chris Moore to maybe carve out some early minutes. Uh, but also I think it gives some Auburn some chance to experiment. I think the, the the goal is for Auburn to get back to full strength by the start of the season. Not having Westry out there is, I think it's going to hurt a little bit of the development. You have to kind of work hard on that moving forward. But um, it's early enough, and it's not as major enough to warrant a lot of concern. Uh, but I think it will see, might not see Westry kind of hit his full stride, especially as a freshman, until you get deeper into the season.
1: Boy, we are ready.
0: Bruce, we need
1: you, big fella. Get that knee rested up. All right, I don't know what you're doing in your spare time. seems like you're usually going out and supporting other, other sports and making inroads with recruits, but I don't know. I don't know what it is you do in your spare time.
0: Get well, buddy. Officially, less than a month away from the start of basketball season, November 2nd, like I said earlier, they play UAH in an exhibition. But November 7th, they open with uh, Georgia Mason. November 11th, they play South Florida. November 15th, they play Winthrop. November 18th, they play Texas Southern before going to face, I believe I have this right, Bradley in Cancun. And then they play the second game there. So easing it in. St. Louis on November 27th, by the way. That is going to be a whale of a basketball game. St. Louis is supposed to be pretty good. They they gave Auburn a great game last year. One of the better teams out of the eight ten. That should be a lot of fun.
1: You recently ranked Auburn's non-conference games. Yeah, give us the it, top three. Just give us the the cream there.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can read all of these in the mailbag if you subscribe to the Observer. But yeah, my top three. I have Memphis. I think that Memphis game is going to be a lot of fun. Um I would expect Memphis to have more talented roster this year, maybe a little bit more things put together. It's in Atlanta. There's a lot more hype around Memphis this year. We'll see if they can follow through on it, but there's a lot. It should be a pretty good game, I think, in Memphis. <clears throat> this is kind of cheating a little bit because it's in SEC play, but, man, West Virginia in Morgantown during the SEC Big 12 Challenge, that will be a lot of fun. Bruce Pearl, Bob Huggins. I'd really the- like to go to that one. I would love to as well. I'll tell you this: number three, I have is USC. Don't really know what we're going to see out of Washington uh, upcoming this year, but I do think USC is going to be in a better spot coming off of a tournament. We expect uh, the
1: Observer will be representing at those games. Yes,
0: we're going to try. I'll tell you this. Okay, I'll, I'll let me do a let me do a little, uh, let me do a little thank you spot here at the end. So the month of September is very important for us at the Observer because that's when we launched it, and October of 2020 was when we first started doing paid subscriptions you had a free month if you guys remember early on in september so a lot of you paid beginning of september or the end of september if you were part of our initial crew okay so this month just came september just rolled through and so some renewals and not everybody stays on board It happens you know that's just churn happens with the newsletter and Finances change, interest change, football's not doing so hot right now. We get it. But I'm happy to report this. From this time last year to this year, after the big renewal season, we've got 300 more people than we did at this time last year. Right? And look, that might not be the linear growth that, you know, other places would love to have, um, including a former employer or two of mine. But, but, I will say, it means a lot to us. And, Look, you guys, the subscriptions that goes to, you know, gives me opportunities to go cover this team on the road. Now, football, it's a whole lot easier this year because a lot of these trips are drivable. A lot of my beat friends here have been very gracious and let me crash with them and you know ride with them and stuff like that. So, really, really thank all those guys. Basketball, there's gonna be a lot of travel involved. So, to answer your question, Painter, yeah, I would love to go to USC in Washington. The week before Christmas, I'm I'm hoping for it, and again because you guys are so generous with your support of the Observer and being you know staying with us, you're gonna give us that opportunity. So thank you. Um, but yeah, trying to price some stuff out and try to get out get out there. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, USC is the other one I, I would have on there. Should be a lot of fun. If you want more Auburn basketball stuff, I did a story on Janai Broom. Uh, that you can check out at The Observer. I also did a story on Katie Johnson. If you're a subscriber, you can read that. Stay tuned for some more basketball coverage here uh, over the next few weeks. That'll ramp up more and more as we get closer to the season. So it's not all just going to be football. It's going to be some basketball stuff as well. And I I expect this Auburn basketball team is going to look different. It's going to be different in terms of talent, top to bottom. But I will say, I think this team is going to have the look of a contender. And uh, they should be a lot of fun... Uh, Auburn fans to grow with much like last te- last year's team was
1: conference looks fun top five or six teams not really sure what to do with the order yet seems like once again we're giving Tennessee lots of love <laughs> I, I don't think it's yeah. totally misguided though no I don't either Arkansas oh, yeah. man he's doing something with that Walmart money
0: uh, yeah I mean the recruiting that has been done in the in the southeastern conference in basketball is it's gonna be it's, it's pretty pretty special pretty special for sure um anything else we want to hit before we go I, just,
1: just to reiterate thanks for making it all the way through the podcast at this point I understand as somebody who yeah. watched that game Just kind of like, oh, okay, we're here.
0: You didn't fall asleep this time, did you?
1: (laughs) No, uh, it just—this one was easy for me, though, because a long time ago I realized that we weren't winning this game. I don't know exactly when, as I mentioned earlier, but, like, there was no pressure, which sucks because you'd like that nervous energy when you wake up, especially for a rivalry game. And there have been plenty of years where this game can determine in a large part, like, the outcome of your season— And right now, it's just sort of a given that Georgia's going to wipe the floor with you and you
0: kind of got to roll with it. I will say to another point, talk about return on investment, the pressure to get in earlier and earlier. Tennessee looks pretty good. And I think Tennessee was in a worse spot when you know these two respective coaches were hired in the case of uh, in the case of Brian Harson and Josh Heipel. Kansas didn't win, but Kansas looks back. I mean it's just, just this return on investment looks a whole lot a whole lot quicker. and it's just that that's going to play a part in in how we talk about this team and this and the staff moving forward and Tennessee
1: teams. may well be exactly what it is I've been lobbying for Auburn to be. And some fun. other folks, which is basically like fun. Not going to win their division, not going to win the conference, but they can score points. And who knows? I know there's people out there. They got that are a talking big one about,
0: against Alabama next week. Now,
1: right, right. I know that there's some people looking at that Alabama game, especially with Alabama struggling against Texas A and M, and you know Georgia's offense at times doesn't look like it's really clicking. So it's like, all right, look, if you can score some points against those teams, well, okay.
0: And they look like they can score some points. They got they got a system in place and they got a coach in place and and it, they've made it click. Meanwhile, some other schools are just not in that in that boat. And look, I mean, it's not just like I mean, it's just pick, picking on Auburn. I mean, Virginia—they made the hire of Tony Elliott, and a lot of people love that hire. They look raw. They look worse on offense than they did last year. Like last year, they just didn't do enough. And so, I mean, there's some there's some buyer's remorse there. We shall see. We shall see. Like I said won't have a full-scale uh, film room on Monday. We'll see what we end up having, but there will be a, a newsletter of some sorts. Whatever happens over the weekend is the old Miss week. We got you covered at the Observer. We're going to have basketball as well. AuburnObserver.com. If you sign up and subscribe, you can either you know click a link here uh, or a button if you're getting this through the free email. You can get us that way. And uh, Like I said, We will have more podcasts next week, including Friends of the Program and the preview episode for Ole Miss Week. That's going to do it for me. Once again, thank you guys so, so much for sticking with us, listening to the podcast, and also uh, sticking with us with your subscriptions uh, because this this past month was a really, really big one for us and a really special one as well. So thank you guys so, so much. Painter, I'm going to go to bed uh, here in a little bit. Your final thoughts? Jimbo Fisher always earning that
1: contract.